Today we're here to celebrate the light of the world. I love these candlelight services, don't you? Here in a little bit, we're all going to light our candles all across this room. and It's going to represent the light of the world coming to us, wanting to shine through us. You know, the Bible says that God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. I loved how Logan last weekend was talking about how darkness actually isn't anything of substance. It's, it's not a thing. You can't turn on the dark switch. Dark, dark is just what exists when light is absent. Light is the thing of substance. So we're here to reflect on the light of the world this weekend. God is light. In the beginning, in Genesis, it says that there was darkness that covered the face of the earth, and he spoke and said, let there be light. And we see that over and over throughout history and and the story that God's been weaving, that he's come to bring light to a dark and dying world. In fact, I want to show you a a photo that represents with light a very beautiful picture. Has, Has anybody ever seen this before? What this picture is, is the entire scripture. From left to right is Genesis to Revelation. A couple guys, uh, a scientist, they said, I want to see how many cross-references there are in the scriptures. And so with light beams, what you're seeing there is actually 63,000 light beams of every cross-reference that's found in the scripture. Every place that... God was doing something, and there was a theme over here, and then it, it tied over here, or, or he, he sent a prophet to speak about something, and then 700 years later, it happened here, and all of those light beams represent to us, number one, the validity of the scripture that, by the way, was written by 40 authors over 1,500 years, and it's all cohesive, and it works together. And that all of it ties together from beginning to end. It represents to us that validity, but it also represents to us the fact that God has been weaving a beautiful story all throughout time, connecting piece to piece. In this case, with a beam of light. Now I want to draw your attention to this bottom part here because the bottom white represents how many different cross-references show up at that particular place in the scripture. And you'll notice one beam is a little bit longer than all of the others. This particular moment in history is actually the uh, culmination of God's story. This is the moment when God burst onto the scene. It's the moment when God stepped out of heaven and came to earth. It's the moment when light showed up. You see, the most amount of light beams in this picture, the most amount of cross-references, the most amount of what God was weaving into the history of humanity shows up right there, and it's when Jesus was born. It's like everything was happening then. 
you know the story, it was about 400 years of what they call silence. There was no prophet. There was no great move of God. There was no miracles. There was, there was almost nothing. And the people were left waiting and wondering, when is God going to show up? Why is it so dark and quiet? And then on one particular day, God did show up, not in the way that they might have expected, but in a manger. And he didn't go on to become the king or the military leader that they would have expected. But he was the savior that they always needed. But I think back to that season and when God showed up, what would it have been like? What would it have been like if you were the young teenage girl and an angel said, hey, you're pregnant? What would it have been like if you were the engaged young man saying, hey, um, your fiance who's pregnant, yeah, that's mine. You should still marry her. What would it have been like if you were the innkeeper and the mother of the God of the universe showed up looking for just a room and you said, hey, go sleep in the barn. Go, sleep, go stay in a manger. What would it have been like if you were actually there What you're about to see is a film that we put together where we're asking exactly this question. What would it have been like if you were there? And I want to let you know as you you watch this today that this is not staged. This is not scripted. In fact, the people that are in the video weren't even told what the video is going to be about. It's all in the moment, a genuine response from, from people just like you and I peers, people in our church, where they were put in a chair and they were asked in the moment on film to consider, what if you were there? What might your response have been? And so as you watch this video, again, I want you to consider what would your response have been if you were there? Let's watch this together. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. For she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I would love for you to tell me in your own words what you feel like Mary might have been feeling in her heart or what uh, was going through her mind. That's just crazy. Um, I mean, you could look back to a bunch of big stories in the Bible and think like, oh, of course I could handle it. Like you'd think it'd be easier in your head, but like, honestly, if I were in her shoes, like that's, that's quite the thing to be brave for. It's quite the circumstance that you have to really trust God. Yeah. You could react a different way than you think you would if you were put on the spot like that. Um, 
I think it's also cool that she immediately was able to say, yes, okay, like, let it be so, like, that that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's very encouraging to a lot of us. But along with all the other things that she would have to process, that, like, hearing so many prophecies about this baby coming, like, oh, my gosh, I'm carrying the baby that will soon save me. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth from me, one who is the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. What goes through your mind when you hear your fiance tell you of what has happened? I would probably break down. I wouldn't know what to do. I have no clue what to do. I'd just freak out. Who's the father? Who... Who has been with you that you have been hiding behind my back? And instantly I'm just running through all these possibilities in my head like, was I not good enough? What what made her switch to a different person? Maybe I'm just too in my thoughts about it. The moment that you are told by heaven that you're about to be the stand-in father for the Son of God, that realization hits you. What's going through your head and your heart? I mean, how do you father someone who's been given to you by the Almighty? How do you feel like it's your responsibility to tell him what he should be doing? In reality, I'm thinking, what have I done to earn such a privilege as this? In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. As you get this greeting from your cousin, and you're hit with this wave of the Holy Spirit, What's going through your heart? 
think my breath would be taken away. <laughs> and I'd be in utter shock and amazement that the Lord would have chosen me to be there to greet her and that He would honor me with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that after all these years of waiting and longing to be pregnant and being barren for so long, knowing that God knew the perfect timing for me to conceive, because if I had conceived when I wanted to, I would not be carrying the one that was going to prepare the way for Jesus. And so as much as we long for our desires to be fulfilled, we need to long more for the Lord's desires to be fulfilled. And when His desires are fulfilled, He is mostly honored. And when we humble ourselves and honor Him the most, then He lifts us up and we are honored. And so therefore, I get to be honored by greeting Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. What do you see in your mind's eye when you put yourself in the shoes of the innkeeper? Um, well, certainly it was a very busy time of the year for him. Um, and he was full, I'm sure, had he known um, who this person was truly, uh, Jesus, and the birth of him, uh, he would have treated it differently. But as a business owner, there are definitely times when you are just super stressed. Um, and that apparently was that time for him uh, in, in that period. And so he offered the only thing that he had available. Um, and that was uh, the place where our Savior was born. Um, and fitting in terms of Isaiah 53, um, the suffering servant uh, that Christ is came in a way that nobody could have expected um, in a humble and lowly way. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep 
that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I would just love for you to describe maybe what you would imagine a night like that to be. Yeah. The shepherds of that time were were not a real um, admired group. These angels show up to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, the King, the Messiah. I think that they were pretty shocked that God would honor them in such a way that he's like, I want everyone to know you. You're and you're going to be the first ones to know about this to, to go tell the people, and not only that, but Jesus was in a manger, so he was in a in a barn that would welcome shepherds, and they they felt welcomed that this Messiah, this this Jesus was was being born at a place where they could touch, where they could see, where they could taste that it was. Um, uh, so available to them. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastline render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him, for he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. I would love for you to introduce yourself and maybe talk a little bit about your experience when it comes to where you were before you gave your life to Jesus and uh, maybe a little bit of the correlation between a Magi and where you were. I would consider myself probably a New Age convert, really, uh, for how deeply I was invested into that, uh, that stream of beliefs. Um, I saw everything through the filter of the astrological signs. I devoted myself very deeply to the study of uh, the stars and the planets and their placements. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a, a very huge part of my life, even from my, my early childhood. It was, uh, I remember being very young and uh, being taught, you know, be, being given astrology books and being taught how to use a, a pendulum to ask questions to spirits and being, um, you know, very, you know, n- not, not realizing, very seduced by the, the desire for wisdom and, and power. And, um, you know, u- ultimately what I see now is sorcery and witchcraft and divination. So, yeah. You were in astrology for a while and it wasn't just, this wasn't just, you know, uh, a hobby per se. Would you say that there is any correlation between that and maybe the road that the Magi's took in order to find Jesus? Absolutely. You know, I think that I think that for anyone who has invested their life or invested their their thoughts and their their time towards understanding something like astrology, they're ultimately seeking answers. They they're trying to figure out 
who they are. They're trying to figure out what this world is about. They're trying to figure out why this world is the way it is. And ultimately, I think the biggest thing that I came to in the midst of um, really the revelation of the Holy Spirit was everything that I wanted was okay to want. Everything that I wanted was okay because the craving for heaven was inside of me. But there was just so many other things that tried to present themselves as light. And they weren't light, not the true light. I think that the stars are there for seasons and for signs and for the telling of time. And that was a design from God. There's truth in that. To find your identity in the stars, and I mean, that's something different. To define yourself in creation and not by the creator, mm -hmm. that's different. But there's a reality that, yeah, they knew, they knew that the stars were there for signs. Like if, if, if I, it'd be difficult to, I think my mind is going to like, what would I, what would I want to be carrying? The gold or the frankincense yeah. or the myrrh? Yeah. Because I feel like each one represents something so specific. You know, like Which I feel, one? I feel like, for me personally, I feel like I would give him the frankincense because I feel like the frankincense was the gift that you give to a priest. And you give that gift to the one who's going to be communing with God. And you give that gift to the one who's going to be in that intercessory point between you and God. Because ultimately that's what I would want. I would say, be here for me before God. You know, remember me before God. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. These parents walk in with this baby. Walk me through what you see in that moment. As Anna, I, I would be weeping. Um... I've waited so long for the Messiah to come and to be able to see him with my own eyes and feel the heart of God for him and for Mary and Joseph. Um, I feel like for me personally, if I was Anna, I would be feeling a lot of emotions. I would be feeling 
such a great joy to see our Redeemer, our Healer, I mean, our Deliverer from this evil present world. And yet I would, I would have so much sorrow and compassion in my heart for Mary. Even though I had never had children, because she hadn't, I mean, I, I just feel like, because she would know, she knew what Mary was going to have to go through. She knew what Jesus was going to have to go through, but yet, all for a purpose. It's all for a purpose, and, um, What a glorious moment. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Would you describe maybe what's going through your heart and your mind as you recognize the moment that you're in? Oh, the minute I saw that Mary and Joseph walk in with the baby, my spirit just exploded. I knew that I knew that I knew that I've come into the presence of the Messiah that God had promised me. you got to understand, I've been coming here every year for one week to do my priestly duties. Each week, I'm sitting there looking to see if maybe this is the week. Is this one's going to happen? Then I had to go before the Lord and just say, Lord, is it going to be some other way? Am I going to maybe go into someone's home? And they're going to be there. Am I going to meet them on the road? And we're going to, you're going to identify them. How's it going to be? But when he brought him in, he had, I had the opportunity, I had the honor. I held him, the King of Glory, in my arms. I was able to bless the Holy One of Israel. How many people get a chance to bless the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Hold him, feel his breath on his little face, rock him. Do you understand what that means? I've been looking for this thing for the last 40 years, never knowing exactly what day, when, but walking in thanksgiving, walking in praise, because I knew I was going to see it. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. And when I saw it. But the thing is, immediately the Lord revealed to me what Mary was going to have to go through. And she said that there's going to be a sword that's going to pierce her spirit. Can you imagine what a mother has to go through to watch what they did to, to Jesus? I could see in the future what, what God, what, what he's going to go through, and my heart just broke for Mary. 
I wanted to bless the Christ child, but I wanted to bless her at the same time and let her know that it's going to hurt like crazy. But in the end, the glory that's going to come is going to far outweigh the pain, the shame that she's going to have to face. You see, it, it, one of the things that we don't understand is two people had to n notify the world and, and present Jesus as a Messiah. And one was Simeon. And we later learned the other one was Anna, who was a godly woman. But they both, both prophetically introduced the Messiah. One of the things that we have to learn about the Father, he's never in a hurry. He's got everything under control. And there's a time frame for everything. That's why faith is so very, very important. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith has to take on that which I'm looking for. Because if I don't know what I'm looking for, I can walk past it. So faith has to identify what it looks for. So my hope doesn't fade. Faith has to identify what it's looking for. What are you looking for today? The kids in the room have Christmas lists, probably. They're looking for and hoping for certain things under that tree on Christmas morning. But the reality is every single one of us is looking for something in this life. Looking for fulfillment in this life. Looking for purpose in this life. Maybe like Joseph, a real guy in our church, just like you and I. He, he's looking to the stars, looking to astrology for purpose in this life and beyond. What would it have been like if you were there? Throw that light picture back up for me. It's like all these beams of light, all of these moments in time, all of these things that God had been weaving throughout history, they all show up at this one moment. And there's many different characters, many different people that saw this this moment from different lenses and from different views. You know, there's the shepherds that, that this beam of light showed up to them as it were and said, hey, go, go and see this little baby in this manger. There was Mary, this young woman that God literally showed up to her and said, you're going to carry my son in your womb. It's so easy for us to just go through you know, Christmas, gatherings, celebrations, parties, we're used to it. We've heard this story before. But what if you were there? Which character would you have been? And how would you have responded? Imagine if God showed up and you, you really were Mary. God showed up and said, hey, you're going to get pregnant and I'm going to do it. Imagine what she was actually really feeling. Like, who's going to believe me? What am I going to say? I'm going to be embarrassed. How am I ever going to convince people that this is real? How am I going to convince my fiance or my parents or the town? 
What if Mary was living today? Would there be certain voices that spoke in her ear and said, hey, just fly to California and get rid of that baby. Just go to a sanctuary state and remove it. Abort it. You don't deserve this. What if Mary would have tried to abort the very salvation that she always wanted? Because she didn't understand in the moment what was going to happen. Let me make it more real for you. Has there ever been a moment in your life that you found yourself putting to death something that God gave you because you didn't know if you could handle the embarrassment or the situation in the moment. But what you didn't know is that you were killing something from God that was actually set for your deliverance. The the truth is that some people in this room, God has actually already come to you, offered to you life, And you've said no to it because you didn't want to walk through what it would mean for you. But what you said no to was the thing that you've always wanted. But if you were Joseph, all all of the different people, man, what would it have been like? You know what stood out to me in that film? Was the innkeeper. He owned an Airbnb in real life. He owns an Airbnb. I'm just, I literally am picturing Dave's Airbnb. He happens to have it rented out this particular evening, but then all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph show up. I think you guys own a barn too. So the Airbnb is full. Mary and Joseph show up pregnant. No, no. We're going to give birth. I think I think the baby's coming tonight. I think the I think the baby's coming now. And Dave says, "Well, some nice folks already rented the Airbnb, but you can stay in the barn if you want." But did you notice in the in the film and again, this is all unscripted. Dave said one thing that just pricked my heart. He said, "Man, if I would have known, Well, if I would have known who it was, and I thought to myself, well, what, Dave? If you would have known who it was, what would you have done? What what would you have done? Well, if he knew that the pregnant woman was actually carrying God, what he would have done is walked down to that Airbnb and said, I'm sorry, folks, here's your refund. Or come stay in my house because I got to make room for this. Are you, are you picking up what I'm, If I would have known, I would have done anything that I needed to do. I would have offered my bed. I'll go sleep in the barn because if I would have known it was really God, I would make room for that God to show up. But so many of us, we use this excuse, well, well I didn't know. You know, like our kids, you know, like our kids, like when I was a kid, like I would make homemade fireworks and it's like, well, if I would have known it was going to burn off my eyebrows, I wouldn't have done it, dad. Well, if I would have known, it's like we have this excuse, like, well, I didn't really know. And so 
I want to let you know today that all these beams of light didn't just culminate and stop 2,000 years ago. There's actually, as it were, a beam of light that's coming to you today. A message of light and a message of life that's coming to you today. And I don't want you to leave this building today saying, well, I didn't know. And at the end of your life and at the beginning of eternity, you step into heaven and you say to God, well, if I would have known. Well, friend, let me tell you so you do know. What we celebrate this season and on December 25th is not just something to remember from the past. It's the reality that we're embracing and recognizing that the light of the world is not just a light beam on a picture. It's light that's actually come to us now. It's reality that's come to us now. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. And what I love about this verse is that it, it's, it's using both past tense and present tense words in the same sentence. He's saying that, that while we were still sinners, that God right now is demonstrating his love for us right now in that Christ died for us back then. It's as if what Jesus did when he came into earth, that we, what we celebrate on Christmas, and of course that culminated in his death, burial, and resurrection, that what Jesus did for us is a modern day, current, right now, present tense demonstration of God's love for you. What we celebrate on Christmas is the fact that God stepped out of heaven, not so we could just be religious people, churchy people, legalistic, rule-following people. No, he stepped out of heaven to reconcile us to the Father in relationship. This is what we celebrate during Christmas. There's a light beam that's being offered to you today. In a moment, you're going to have a chance to light your candle. What I want to invite you to recognize as we light our candles in a moment is that Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, I'm the light of the world. And then he also says, you're the light of the world. And so as we light our candles in a moment, I want to invite you to embrace the reality that he came for you for relationship. A relationship that extends beyond just December 25th. A relationship that extends beyond just coming to church on Christmas and Easter. A relationship that was meant to impact your entire life. That you would hold that candle today and you would say, I've received the light of the world, Jesus, my Savior. And I'm embracing your call on me to be your light in this world. Because that's what he's called us all to, is to be his light. But it has to start with relationships.